Welcome to Church Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. And I'm James. We're audio engineers, authors, and educators. With a special focus on houses of worship. On this episode, Tools of the Trade. We want to give a special shout out to this show's sponsors. And first up, we have Prime Acoustic, who help the message be heard and remove excessive reverb in your house of worship. We also want to thank Digico. Their new Quantum 338 and other house of worship solutions are available at digico.biz. And finally, Electrovoice, who have been a leader in church sound since the beginning and today offers the industry's largest portfolio of loudspeaker system solutions for houses of worship of all sizes. Elevate the audio experience with Electrovoice. Okay, so before we hit the record button, you asked, uh, how is it being the Empress? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it's busy. Um, t- this show's theme is, um, uh, yeah, it's it's been awesome. Um, there's been lots of buildup and, and lots of projects kind of going hand in hand. And I actually like just finished up my last little sprint of travel and and projects and stuff and so between now and the end of the year i have some uh, less trips but they're bigger trips which i that's preferential for me rather than just like spraying and praying right. um, <laughs> uh, doing that and um uh, and they're going it's going to fun places so it'll it's all enjoyable and i'm glad to be i love traveling for work but there's definitely like a like a too much point <laughs> where it's like all right well feel like I, I it, there's a point you, like you feel like you're living out of your suitcase basically. Uh, and the, you know, being home's awesome. I love being home. So looking forward to that. And again, the seasons are changing. And so it feels more like I was just up in, in Montreal last week and it's like already full blown autumn there. And, uh, we're like just starting to get the, the leaves changing here. Yeah. Uh, but there it's like, it's there are like four weeks ahead of us at least so yeah yeah we've we've been through a fake fall here and now we're back into second summer yeah Uh, yeah. i think that should be wrapping up and then we'll get into like real fall yes i what a terrible tease of a season like it really cooled down like it got i put on a sweater one week like i had a sweater (laughs) on and i was like yes finally I think what was like when we were recording the last episode, that's what it was. We were like, yay, like breaking the heat. And then it got to like 90 or something this week. It's like, ah, ah. Yeah. Our kids put up the uh, inflatable pool. They're like, it's warm enough. Yay. Uh, and then the it's water September just didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the water just didn't quite get warm enough. And so yeah. they're like, this is fun, but I'm cold, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. things have been going well for you. How is uh, you f- finished with the videos series now? Like uh, okay, so I'm, uh, of course, me being the perfectionist or overachiever, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I like finished with like you know ninety nine percent of the videos, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, you know what? I should film intros and outros to every section. <laughs> so, so I went sure. back and you know because good teaching says mm-hmm. that you tell them what you're going to tell them. Then you tell them, then you tell them what you told them, right? Yep. So that's just good for people's brains is, oh, what's coming? Okay, cool. Oh, what did we just talk about? Oh, yeah. Uh, so the educator in me was like, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet and do all this extra work and mm-hmm. put it in there. So uh, I just finished that up. I have one more lesson that I need to film like on location someplace. I couldn't do that from the home studio to mm-hmm. teach from. I actually have to be somewhere to do this part. Um, 
and then it will be wrapped and like finished up with edits. And you know, the edits take, you know, forever. And I'm picky oh, yeah. and graphics here and, you know, worksheet, you know, answers here and all, all that stuff. So yeah. uh, super close to being wrapped with that. Nice. Excited to, to get it out into the world and let the worship leaders rejoice and let the sound techs rejoice that now their worship leaders won't be totally clueless. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's, there's a, there's a dual benefit here. Like, I wonder if I should have like a sponsorship program with like sponsor your worship leader to go through this course. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I think we talked about this in one of the last few episodes, but you're doing the one on, on worship leaders and I've been working on this uh, project with some colleagues that are teaching the pastors um, about like worship and, and technology that we call theotechnics and um, and this podcast. So honestly, between the two of us and our three projects, we're we I get I don't know who else to hit after this. I, the admin staff, like I don't, <laughs> yes. uh, this Excel sheets for your house of worship technology. Well, services. you know, executive pastors that aren't necessarily like the pastoral pastor, but mm-hmm. I, maybe that's even who your theotechnic stuff is for is the the people that are looking at line items and being like, why do we need to spend $50,000 on some speakers? Mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, because that's the low end. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a mix of, um, of the size church that they work in, um, mm-hmm. or pastor. So some of them, we actually divvied up the class based on how large their tech team was because it, it that changes the conversation so much, uh, compared to the other pillars that we're talking to them about the technology bit is like, if you're doing it by yourself, that's one conversation. If you have a very small team of maybe one or two people, that's a different conversation. And then if you are mostly hands off and you've got a a team of volunteers that are handling it for you, three, that's how we divided them. That's Mm. the conversations. And so, yeah, we, we end up getting, um, all kinds of experiences and, um, yeah, it, it's the whole thing is um, just teaching them. Sometimes the conversation is like how to how to talk with your tech team um, with the smaller teams. Of course, it's like how to use the equipment and try to give them better training or more resources so they can use their equipment that they do have uh, better. Exactly. But, it, you know, it anywho, um, it's we'll have to when you launch, we'll do like a big hurrah. You've launched the <laughs> the worship leader uh, course on it and we'll just. We'll link it. It'll be great. Sweet. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're talking about uh, tools of the trade today. Yeah. And we've talked about a few other things before, like iPads and stuff like that. But I kind of just want to hit some some regular tools we maybe should all have in our booth. But today's word is also kind of also, 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 also. <laughs> a tool. So, um, measurement mic, measurement mic is today's word. Um, for you, James, what is a measurement mic? To me, a measurement mic is a microphone that can accurately capture, uh, audio in its, its job is not necessarily to sound good. Its job is to be transparent so that you can play a test signal through a speaker and see if what's going into that speaker is also what's coming out of that speaker. So measurement mic, you want it to have very little uh, variation in its uh, 
tone. So if it hears 20 hertz, it's going to register 20 hertz. Mm -hmm. If it hears 1K at the same calibrated level, it's going to measure 1K at that same calibrated level. And hopefully it also is low noise uh, so that you don't get, um, you know, noise into your test yeah. signal so that it, you know, clutters up the data mm -hmm. and makes your little red line at the top of smart. My mind's blanking on uh, what it's called right now. Um, so on the uh, RTA or... On yeah, the, the confidence or coral... Uh, oh, yeah, the correlation. Yeah, I mean, there is a correlation. It depends on which software you're using, I yeah. guess. But yeah, so it's like, how good is this data? Good yeah, or no Yeah, how good? reliable is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you want that thing to be up at the top where it's like, yeah. we are 100% no confident dips. that we yeah. are getting good data here. So... The low noise is helpful for that, and it's they're typically omnidirectional, which helps it uh, not get skewed from mm -hmm. sources that are on the back side of it. Yeah, which we've so. talked about on the show as well. Like that yeah. effect is when you get really close to a microphone and it gets really low, and and when you get far away, you don't want that to have an effect on on this microphone. Exactly. Yeah, uh, measurement mics are these very weird. These these very weird little tools that, just as you said, James, they're they're meant to be have a completely flat response. They're they're meant to add nothing, take away nothing, be as transparent as possible, uh, and be omnidirectional. So it's not affected by things by it being necessarily closer and then having a larger uh, low frequency response or anything like that. It's meant to be usually very gross sounding um, and very like plain. It it doesn't really like. Um, go to what our ears like to hear. Didn't we talk about this last episode, the Fletcher Munson curve? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It does not follow that. And so it feels very, um, it just feels, it just sounds not good uh, to us, but that's kind of the point. Uh, so you use them for all sorts of things. Um, there are like, sometimes they're called, um, and they have different jobs. There are measurement mics that you explicitly use for, um, like SPL and those have to be calibrated like frequently. And that involves an entirely separate tool. It's a whole ordeal. But if we're just using a measurement mic, like you can get one for, I have one that's like $60 or something like that. And it's great because it's also pretty cheap. So I just kind of like, I can beat it up and I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I keep one, but it's just, a. A little small diaphragm condenser. They all kind of look like once you like look at it, it's like yeah, I could see that being some kind of sciency measure tool. Um, <laughs> and uh, those don't have to be calibrated because it's all pretty relative. But the flatter the response is, the the less we have to kind of compensate. Yeah, and uh, if you've got the same one that I've got, it even will ship with. You can type in its serial number and download a little chart that will actually like say. You know, at 1K, it's, you know, a quarter of dB yeah. up. And at 3.5K, it's, you know, a quarter of a dB down. So you can actually adjust for its uh, inaccuracy even within your software with a little file. So that's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's even, like, there's even software that helps you, like, make those files. Like, it, it's a whole ordeal. We're not saying this to be, like, super nerdy. This will come back around later in this conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just so we're all... Like you're aware, if you go Google measurement microphone, you'll get a couple of different options. Um, and they're really useful for, for certain things in our case, but we'll, we'll get to that. So uh, today's topic 
tools of the trade. Yeah. There are just certain things we should have in the booth. And I think it's, I don't know. I don't believe we've had just a direct conversation about this. Like what's proven to be indispensable, what we keep in our bags. Um, you're not at a, at any particular church, right? Neither am I. And so we always kind of, we have to be a little extra prepared. Um, I have to, I travel a lot for work. Yeah. So I got to pack my own parachute and the stuff that I carry is, um, extremely handy and, uh, somewhat aimed at, at my job, but I think it's the tools alone are just things that we should have around. So, um, without further ado, I suppose, uh, what's one of the, what's a tool that you find yourself using all the time, James? Uh, well, it's changed over the years in that, in the analog days, a Sharpie and artist's tape, sometimes mm-hmm. known as console tape, but it's really made for artists and we just steal it. A Sharpie and console tape is like the number one thing you should probably mm-hmm. have in the analog domain. So like if you're labeling cables and you, you can even take a Sharpie and wrap some artist's tape around the Sharpie so that you've mm-hmm. got like, you know, three, four feet of it right there all together. That was a pretty cool uh hack that I stole yeah, oh off somebody. Gosh, yeah. So you take that and now you can like, okay, I need it. I know this is keys left and keys right on the microphone end. So then you can just label that. Now you've got a, a really quick label that you can put on something. And that's super handy. When you had consoles, you had to have stuff labeled because channel 13, you don't know that that's the base unless you look down and read it's the base. Mm-hmm. The days before scribble strips uh, that were digitally named and, you know, select and tweak with a screen, you had to write that stuff down and to be able to look at it and know, Hey, this is what I'm moving. Uh, so that was there, but then I found myself using that less and less because Mm. so much stuff is labeled digitally now. Yeah. I'll make the argument that we should still have them, uh, because especially (laughs) because like on digital boards, they have those soft keys that you can program. And sometimes, sometimes they have scribble strips on them. Sometimes they don't. Um, and it's just really nice to, have those labeled. And so artist tape is really affordable. It's, it's meant to be put on like canvas uh, while you're painting and doing other things, but we like it because it comes off clean and there's no sticky residue that uh, is left behind. It's, it's really just, and it's bright white. (laughs) So it's so easy to have a black Sharpie and write something on it. Uh, I'll label my coffee, uh, with artist tape and a Sharpie. Uh, I'll do, I love the wrap around the Sharpie idea. I, I, that didn't even occur to me. Um, but, um, yeah, like I'm thinking on like our consoles at Allen and Heath, like we have tons of soft keys and some of them do have scribble strips on them, but also some of them don't. And so, because you can change them like mm-hmm. at, on a drop of a hat. So I like to like just label them or have it. We've also had some people, uh, come out with like magnetic strips that are like white and then you can like use uh, dry erase to oh. write on them and kind of stick them. I th- kind of like that idea too. Anyway, uh, it's a little, they're really small rolls of tape. So it's not hard to just like throw that in a drawer somewhere with a yeah. Sharpie. So plus one for artist tape and Sharpie. And yeah, it's, it, it has changed a lot uh, over the years when I used to do like more system design and uh, like was, you know, with a band doing their production work, I had a, a completely different not a completely different, but a different set of tools. Um, but one like I still carry with me is a multi-tool. Uh, mm. It's I can't fly with it. So this is, I, there are very particular places I can take this. Uh, but just having that, 
I, it used to be when I did my local gigs or when I was driving someplace, I'd have my multi-tool because for some reason you just need pliers, like pliers for some reason, just need to, you just need them. Uh, I wait, there's no, there's no like tool other than pliers like that does the job of the pliers. Right. So, um, having those and assorted screws and little knives and stuff since then that has now changed into an elaborate set of screwdriver bits. <laughs> so, <laughs> I seemingly don't need pliers at all anymore. Uh, it doesn't come up, and but I constantly need assorted, like, screw bits. So, uh, like, Torx, um, Flathead, and Phillips, of course. Um, and then, like, when some of them are, are magnetized, so I can, like, pick up screws and stuff. But mm. I'm, like, constantly um, making adjustments or taking cards in and out of stuff. And so I, I just, I needed a flyable set of many screwdrivers. So that's awesome. Do you ever use a multi-tool? Like it's, does that something like, cause you're kind of going around and doing stuff. So. Yeah. I try to avoid taking stuff apart if I can, mm-hmm. you know, like most of the time I'm not, I'm not doing a whole lot of let me rework the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So I don't, the multi-tool hasn't been like the, Oh yeah. Let me pack that. You yeah. know, if I'm, you know, going to do an onsite. Uh, but Having it available and, you know, when you need the pliers, you need the pliers. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I'm going to churches and they've already got some sort of uh, tech person there. Yeah. Or at least somebody that knows where some tools are. So tools on site are definitely, definitely needed. It's just not in my bag Mm because I usually, you know, like I'm I'm not bringing my own console. So (laughs) so I I expect you to have some sort of that. But having some sort of multi-tool pliers you know, screwdrivers, that kind of yeah. stuff that should live at front of house. Yeah. I, I like think a, that, a Phillips and a flathead should just be living at front of house. Like yeah. you don't need a hammer necessarily, but and if you've got something that needs Allen keys, just have yeah. a few of those. Oh gosh. I forgot about the Allen like <laughs> wrenches. Yes. Always. Oh my goodness. Like the amount of miscellaneous like Allen wrenches I've, I've just gotten house because we have an Ikea in the city. Like <laughs> just that and a sort of furniture. Like it's, I, I ha- actually had a hard time finding one that was fitting my guitar when I was um, resetting it up after a long time. I was, I had to like go dig through like 40, 40 Allen wrenches. And I was like, this looks, this looks right. Like, uh, <laughs> no, right. yeah. But Can yeah, they be I mean, color coded or something, you know, uh, we, yeah. we should, we should make these sizes a little bit more clear to know which one is which. Yeah. If I, if I really bother, if I it was really, really important, I'd probably just buy an Allen wrench that with, a, with them labeled already, but <laughs> nah, <Yeah. nah. laughs> let's continue the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not such an inconvenience because I don't need it every week. I need it like once or twice a year. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, I'm just not quite there yet. But yeah, it, in that, yeah, the Allen wrenches are actually um, quite nice to have. I don't keep it in my bag, but it's good to have uh, in the booth. So, yeah. Now, kind of related to Sharpies and kind of related to artist tape. Gosh, I'm showing my brain skills right now. <laughs> uh, four different directions at once. Uh, having pens available. Is just, you just need a, cup, a mug of pens at yeah. front of house because you because the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory, right? So <laughs> writing stuff down is essential. You know, you get your mm-hmm. planning center printout or your order of service. Yes. Or if so you're much. 
doing a funeral and you know the, you know got to know when grandma's coming up to to you know read the script you know what whatever's going on there you know weddings whatever you need to write stuff down and having mm-hmm. a big mug of pens that hopefully all work is essential yeah. uh, on the other side with the tape though there we there we go we're circling back around <laughs> having gaff tape is also essential oh my gosh you, yes you have to be able to uh, this is not just like a, oh, well, we just love gaff tape. No, you really need to make a cable run safe sometimes. And mm-hmm. sometimes you get in a, a tight spot where you're like, uh, I have to run this cable and there's no cable ramps. There's no cable trough. I have to run it across a walkway. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Uh, and so gaffing it down is actually a safety thing so that people don't trip and get hurt and damage your gear. But, you know, people are more important than equipment. Uh, but gaffing that down and making sure that that's stuck well, and you're not going to leave a residue on a carpet or floor. That's pretty important. Yeah. Gaff tape is a little bit expensive. If, if artist tape is on one side of the money tape spectrum, um, gaffers (laughs) tapes on the other side. So it's, it is a little expensive and it is absolutely worth like you spending a little bit more to not get the cheapest gaffer's tape you could possibly get. Um, the the really cheap gaff tape will be um, kind of plasticky and it'll be kind of shiny. That is lesser gaff tape. It's uh, it's very like it's just not as good. It doesn't stick as well. It doesn't tear well. It's just kind of black. But if you get like mid to high quality gaffer's tape, it feels like cloth. It takes just the tiniest tear and then it totally gives. So it's easy to rip off. Uh, its own worst enemy is itself. It, it has this kind of like stickiness as if, if it touches itself. Like if you if it accidentally folds when you're tearing it, throw the whole thing away. It's dead. It's dead. You won't be able to get unstuck. Um, and it comes up clean. That's really the big part is that it sticks when it needs to stick. And when you peel it off, it comes off clean because as James, as you said, like it's about protecting people and equipment and i think uh houses of worship are notorious for having wild cable runs um going everywhere every which way and then just never taping anything down um so i vote that we push to fix that it's it's there is a technique to it there's a way to gaff cable down but uh we should be doing it I, i don't why aren't more people doing it uh, just lack of knowledge. Hmm. Well, here we are. So here we are. That's what we're knowledge. here for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love gap tape. Yes. Um, and I'll, to your like um, pen and paper bit also, I am a digital girl living in a digital world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I love... I, I love my iPad and my and my pencil and yada yada. Um, that's great. But there are some things where you just need a piece of paper and a pencil. Uh, I still do pencil paper stuff. I always keep a stack of uh, post-it notes at my desk and I have my favorite pencil that auto rotates the lead. It's quite nice. Um, And um, this big honk and eraser because sometimes I just need to quickly jot something down. It, it just needs to leave my brain Um, or particularly I'm still a, um, uh, when it comes to, oh, it's, it's not a set list, it, order of service. Um, when I have the order of service, I want it physically in my hand and I want to be able to take notes on it and underline stuff and draw attention to certain things. Like some things on the order of service, especially from planning center, 
I don't need to see all this. Like this doesn't like this column means nothing to me. Um, and I want to be able to draw attention to where I should be looking. Uh, and something about a pencil or a pen and paper, like I like that. I prefer that. I agree. I'm, you know, since our iPad episode, I've That's gone right, full yep. on, like <laughs> love my iPad, love my knockoff Apple pencil. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. But I think, you know, again, circling back to the teacher stuff that's in my brain, it's not just the having it written down that helps your brain remember. It's writing it down that Mm -hmm. helps your brain remember. And writing with a pencil or a pen engages different parts of your brain than writing or typing on a screen. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm, you know, big into, you know, yes, we, you know, a tree was sacrificed to make this paper available for us, but it's worth it. (laughs) So we can, we can, we can use that pen and paper, not just for having it written down, but us writing it down helps us, you know, go through that process of, Mm. I need to remember this. Yeah. Another tool that I think that just booths should have, but I also carry with me is a voltage meter. Um, purely because especially in older churches a lot of stuff happens with electrical systems and you never you never want to be caught in that because it's also it's like scary and you could you could die and a bunch of other stuff could happen <laughs> and sometimes it's just nice to have it i don't i don't use it all of the time but i swear when you need this thing there's literally nothing else for you to use like this is the thing that you need so I got this like really small one that I would absolutely recommend everybody else get. I think I got it from Harbor Freight. Um, and it's like very sleek. The cables are attached to it and it wraps around it and it goes in this like nice little sleek sleeve. So I can quickly just pull them out, um, put to like the pins to make sure that I've got current flowing and there's a connection or not, there's not a short, anything like that. Just really quick little steps or uh, if you want to get, they have these really nifty little tools where you, um, it looks like a, like a chunky highlighter, uh, where you just like put it near an outlet and it'll light up, uh, or you put it in one of the, one of the holes and it'll let you know if there is electricity flowing to that. That's also super helpful. Um, if I had my own booth in my own church that I was there all the time with, I would have that because you never know, like, is this outlet dead or is my equipment dead? And you can just poke it and she's like yep it's lighting up we have electricity uh those things have been again just so invaluable over the years yeah you can even use them to test mic cables or quarter inch cables if you need to uh it's not the like most elegant way to do it uh it's a little bit clunky like you know you've got to kind of hold the cable and you know Mm-hmm. And the if you can get something yeah. to hold down the cable, that's helpful. So you can get it you know, like, okay, I'm on pin two over here, pin two over mm-hmm. here. That can work to just verify real quick uh, if something's working. Uh, but yeah, continuity on a voltage meter uh, will help you test your audio cables if you need to. Mm-hmm. And then uh, along those lines, I also have a sender sniffer <gasps> kind of thing. Yes, yes. So it's like... It, it looks XLR like the one? yeah, it's like a little barrel uh, a XLR connector, and it's got batteries in one side, and it's got LEDs on the other side, and you plug it into two ends of a mic cable. It doesn't matter if it's going through sixteen different sub snakes and then around through the ceiling and back over the other side. Mm-hmm. It'll light up until you if you've got both 
con you know the right mic cable which is why i bought it in the first place and then uh you know if all the pins are working in that cable is so, this the one from rat it is okay i have the same one yeah uh it also tells you like or maybe it's the new one one of them tells you if uh if one of the cables is uh, like one of the lines is switched like it's they soldered it wrong or there's a it's right if there's a polarity switch or yeah yeah something. yeah uh but yeah i love that thing it is literally like it is it is so small and it's so easy you can use the phantom on a channel to go check the lines i did that for years to just do and we, we've talked about this before it's really important to do like checks before we start service using that tool is so perfect especially if you've got stuff that are, is already using the phantom power all you have to do is unplug the mic and plug the led end into the cable and if all if it's all green lights you're good to go go on to the next one like you know and then it's an easy way to do a line check yeah for sure another tool that i use constantly i carry with me and i actually lost this morning um and i'm having to use something else um would be my own set of of in-ears or headphones um, no idea where I put them down at. Um, I was playing with <laughs> our new, like little baby consoles, our CQ series. Oh yeah. That was the last time I saw it. And now suddenly I have no idea where it is. And my extension, my like, uh, eighth inch extension was also on and a quarter inch converter. So I've lost three things um, wow. <laughs> by losing this one item. But anyway, um, <laughs> the in-ears I think, uh, and headphones are incredibly, incredibly important, regardless of size, whether you're doing analog or digital, any of that, you should just have a set of headphones. I kind of prefer the in-ears if I'm at front of house, uh, because it, it, it'll cut out, um, extra like room noise as much as possible. But that way you can go and listen to a channel and say, what does this sound like right now or coming into the board or is this live or why am I not hearing this? It's a like discovery tool. It helps us troubleshoot things. It's just darn useful. And if you're, that's not even to say if you're doing like a, like a broadcast mix to, to mix on those as well. Like there's headphones are so affordable now and we can, there's certainly a conversation to be had on quality, which, you know, episode idea. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really important. That's you, ha you, we should all have that everywhere at every console. Absolutely. I mean, I think there should be house headphones for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you're picky like me, you just bring your own headphones. Um, I actually try to have both in-ears and headphones because there are times when yeah. I want to like plug into somebody else's in-ear monitor mixer and hear mm -hmm. exactly what they're hearing. And if I'm on stage and they're right by drums that are uncaged, uh, then I definitely want to have the same isolation that they have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like plugging headphones in isn't going to get a very accurate representation there of what exactly they are hearing yeah. uh, compared to in-ears. So I try to have in-ears there. But when I'm at front of house, sometimes I like just having headphones because they're a lot easier to pop on and off. Mm. Um, but you could, you know, leave your in-ears kind of over your shoulder uh, for when you're mixing and then be able to pop that in. That's not, you know, impossible. Uh, I just, you know, I like the, the big movements of headphones rather than little movements of in-ears, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get that. But those are, I mean, you can't, you can't always make your mix decisions with headphones at front yeah. of house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you definitely can gather some information, you know, like 
which channel is making this awful distorted sound? Oh, it's the bass. I wasn't expecting that. You know, that, that kind of thing can help you. Or if you've got a keyboard player that's extremely creative and coming up with all <laughs> kinds of funky sounds. Yeah. And you're like, where is this weird thing coming from? Or the guitar player got a new pedal and you're not recognizing the, you know, octave envelope filter thing mm -hmm. that they're doing. It's just helpful to identify what's there. Even to the point where you, like, one time I got corrected by this, or corrected on this by, like, a production manager at a big conference, is they were testing video, and I pushed up the fader for the video and played it through the house. And he's like, no, 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 be, be a pro. Use your headphones. So I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I should oh, okay. I should not do that with a room full of people that are gathering right now to test the video out. Like, that would be distracting. Hmm. Okay, hmm. so use your headphones to test the video to make sure you've got audio there. So another uh, helpful tip for having headphones in front of house. It's not just handy, it's essential. <laughs> uh, let's see. So um, other tools that I think are just good to have in front of house that I also sometimes carry in my bag um, are things like a, a spare DI. I think in if we're talking like houses of worship front of house um or or broadcast really i guess any reason uh, anything any analog digital whatever having a little spare di or two is super important they're not particularly expensive you can if you want to blow a lot of money on a di you can but it's one of those things is if you don't have a spare then you have nothing uh once this breaks it's like a lot of these tools are kind of, there seems to be a bit of a dichotomy. Yeah. Like, so there's um, tools that are very specialized that no other tool does. And then very generic ones like pen uh, and paper. So a DI is one of those specialized tools where if suddenly your DI dies, so you're using it to connect maybe an acoustic guitar into the sound system. If that dies uh, or, you know, you got to, you got to have it. You got to have a replacement. So it's usually good. I usually recommend to have at least one. If you can have two, that's even better. So that when you forget about the first one and you haven't tested it in a long time and turns out it died, uh, you have a second one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, 40 bucks for a little DI? It doesn't have yeah. to be brilliant. It just has to get you out of a pinch, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. I definitely recommend keeping one of those around. And, you know, there should be some spare stuff in your your tech closet. Uh, hopefully not too much spare stuff. Yeah, but like but, spare XLRs and quarter-inch cables. Yeah. And one way, here's a pro tip, one way to keep quarter-inch cables from disappearing with guitar players is to get a pink one. Because uh, oh. they will always remember, like, oh, this is not the one that I bought. Yeah. <laughs> and they will leave it with bright. you. <laughs> yes. So is it the most camouflage looking when they have to use it? No. But is it going to walk away? Also, no. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, good to have good stuff there that's, you know, hopefully going to stay where you need it to stay. Hmm. Uh, because the second somebody borrows something, oh, I just need this for blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the likelihood that they bring it back is not 100%. Yeah, it's the same with Sharpies. Of just like I let somebody borrow one at a at a at the where was I the commercial integrator expo where it, it, that was pairing with Cedia, and somebody needed to use a sharpie to sign something, and I was like, yeah, I think I do have one. Like knowing darn well, I had one in my bag, <laughs> and so I checked, and then I just stood there and watched them use it. They had to like pass it amongst people, and I was like, yeah, hey, like it just literally 
just stared at the Sharpie the whole time, <laughs> watching it go from person to person and making sure that it made its way back into my hand because that is something that particularly uh, like non-audio people, they're like, yeah, it's a Sharpie. Who cares? But we audio people know better. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, also like tie line and Velcro. Um, if you haven't used, I, I forget what the actual word is at this point. I only know it's like colloquialism, I guess. Like it, the the tie lines, the um, paracord or parachuting yeah, paracord. cord. Paracord. Um, yay. I remember. Or 550. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that stuff's great. And you can just buy huge spools of it. It's incredibly helpful when you just need to temporarily like tie something together. For houses of worship, I, I'm kind of more on team Velcro because it's very clean and you're not going from like, you're not tearing your entire system down in a few days and putting it back up unless you are, uh, in which case uh, paracord or tie line, it's black, like heavy duty string, I guess. You just snip it and it's used. It's meant to like tie stuff to other stuff. That sounds like dumb, but right. But it's like <laughs> stick with me. Right? It's, a, it's a piece of string that you tie things with. Um, it's uh, like if you have a, a, a bundle of cables, you need to like tie together or tie a cable to something or a couple of pieces of equipment together. Like you can use it for all. It's very handy to have around. Um, so for those of you that are kind of taking your churches like into a school cafeteria or gymnasium and setting up every week tie lines might be good for you uh, to quickly get things set up, make it neat and tidy and get it out of the way, as opposed to having something like Velcro, which is a little, a tiny bit more committal, but also you can't like tie connecting two pieces of Velcro together does not have the strength that might be required. Like you can with, with tie line. Um, I love Velcro for cleaning up things like, uh, you know, your mic stands, uh, for the drum kit or anywhere else, just making things neat and tidy. That's really important and just good practice. But so yeah, Velcro, Thailand, those are also good to have around. Absolutely. Other things I uh, have really come to know and love uh, in my setup is uh, having a, a, a tiny router and a little switch. And this is kind of special for, because I'm like traveling around doing stuff. I found the like teeniest, little router it's cute it's so small (laughs) that it is cute uh and it's probably the size of okay it's like the size of a carton of cigarettes and that's the closest thing i can compare to it it's smaller than it's bigger than a credit card and smaller than an iphone so i guess cigarette pack uh (laughs) and um it's got it's just so handy it's really nice i got it off amazon for like 70 or 80 bucks i always keep that in case the house wireless goes down or something weird is happening or I can't like log into it to see what's going on. That's happened to me on gigs before, or I've gone to do a service and I need, you know, my goodness, the, the console is in a booth somewhere and I have to leave the booth to go actually hear what's going on. I need an iPad, but if I'm not wireless, like this is going to be painful. So having that always with me, uh, or for those of you that are like on staff, knowing how to get into your wireless router um, and knowing the basic functionality of it, I think is incredibly important in this day and age. If you have a digital board uh, or you have like remote control of things, you need to understand what a wireless router is and how it functions at the very basic level so that you can troubleshoot it because it will, it bites you. Um, It just bites you. That that's it. 
So um, I always carry one of those with me and then a little tiny switch in case I need to plug like other stuff in. Um, typically at church gigs, I don't need to plug in uh, extra stuff. It's just the spare router that I can plug in if this thing explodes. So <laughs> nice. Any I'll other? Have to look uh, into that. Uh, oh yeah, it's um a barrel that the model name is a barrel. It's by like GLINet or something like that. It's like a very strange company name, but they make several models. You can even get carrying cases for it. It's very. Ooh. It's like very it's begging for like eyes to be drawn on it. <laughs> uh, so, like I have like a pet rock sort of situation. <laughs> uh, but what about you? Any, any other like tools that you wish more houses of worship had or that you don't see people like utilizing enough or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I think having an SPL meter is essential. Hmm. Uh and not the cheapest one that you can find and not somebody's phone. Mm. Um, you know, making sure that you've got an SPL meter that uh, that's going to give you a good, reliable data as to what your exposure levels are. This becomes more important if you have multiple services. Mm -hmm. And if you're there for many like rehearsals and you've been there a long time. If you're like a get in and get out kind of church where, you know, you know, you have, you know, rehearsal and then one, you know, worship set that's 30 minutes long, that's less of an issue because at those, at that length of time, you could be exposed at, you know, like an average of 92 dB SPL and not mm -hmm. damage your hearing. That's not a huge deal, but you know, the, the louder it is and the longer you have, the more you need to, to be watching and kind of understanding what those levels are for your own hearing protection. Uh, in addition to the people that come up and complain and say, you know, it's too loud. My watch says I've been exposed to too much. Mm -hmm. and then you, you have some, you know, like you don't want to brush those people off. They have valid concerns perhaps, but you also need to uh, have good data to combat bad data. Uh, you know, like the the yeah. watch microphones, the phone microphones and apps, they're not sp specifically calibrated to measure SPL levels in music. Uh, and, you know, yes, they're handy, but uh, having something that, you know, you don't need necessarily the one that can hold up in court, right, for noise right. levels. Right, But something that's reliable, and uh, I would argue that maybe for the long-term life of your investment – get one that could be calibrated uh, if it's got a, a measure or a, you know, a calibration function. Mm -hmm. uh, you could find somebody or an integrator or somebody, you know, some system tuning person that actually spent the money on the, you know, the SPL meter calibrating equipment. Uh, then you could just send it and be like, okay, I, I just want to make sure that this is right. Mm -hmm. So that you can have that peace of mind of like, we're not creeping up, <clears throat> excuse me. We're not creeping up in level. We're not damaging people's hearing. We have a good idea of what our data is um, to be able to protect that. And then also uh, on the more creative side, it just helps you with consistency. You know, mm. like I know yeah. when it's just, and not just on like the, is this too loud question, knowing on the, okay, when it's just piano vocal, you know, there's, it's come down and we're at a quiet section. How loud should that be? If you start with that at 85, you know you're in for trouble when you try to take it anywhere. 
you know, if you're keeping that down at the 72 to 75 range, you know, you've got room to grow for your dynamic range. So it, it helps you put, put some perspective on it, but it's not like you're, you're making all your mixed decisions on like, well, it hit 94 yeah. one time. So I must be five DB too loud and I need to pull down the master fader by five DB. That's probably not the wisest way to use it. Yeah, uh, but, it's more complex but, than that. Yeah. And having, but having some kind of baseline data of like, yes. okay, I'm in the ballpark or maybe you've been uh, doing the same thing every week and then you step away for a few weeks and suddenly your ears don't remember exactly what it should have sounded like mm-hmm. from the last time, you know, that, that can help you uh, make sure that you're in the ballpark, um, especially when you're aiming for consistency from week yeah. to week. Yeah, consistency is a really, really big one. It's all like a little bit relative, um, but consistency, thats it's perfect for that to make sure from week to week or service to service that you're hitting right in that same general region. And it'll change with, with styles between services, but especially week to week, making sure you're not creeping up and doing all this and that, which is honestly like I think easier to do when you're on a digital console because it does get pulled up exactly the same that you, st- I, I mean, maybe it's just me, but then you start kind of messing with it more. If we just like turned it on and then didn't touch anything, then it'd be exactly the same. But unfortunately, as we've discussed before on the show, people change. Uh, they play differently. They do things differently. So it, it'll never be exactly the same. So just having that baseline guide, as you said, James, and also kind of in that same vein uh, is the the measurement mic um i always have one i have one because i used to do a lot more like i would tune systems personally um now it's more of a thing that i have in case i want like a room mic <laughs> um it's just like so i can just set it up and um i can just use that to get some some room noise or some audience noise or to get you know whatever i might need into the mix for broadcast mostly it's just like a spare Mike, as we were talking about earlier, it's very flat. It's not really doing much, but I'm also not using it to be the star of the show. It's I'm really using it either as a reference guide uh, to help me measure something, or I'm using it to get room stuff into the mix. So again, very cheap microphone, um, intentionally very flat sounding, uh, and it's just good to have around. Yeah, even if you're not doing full-on system tuning where you're playing pink noise through the speakers and taking measurements on, you know, time and frequency, just having that routed into an RTA application, mm-hmm. so a real-time analyzer, has so many different great tools that you can use while you're mixing. So let's say uh, you hear a frequency that's feeding back, right? And if that frequency you can see on the screen and then put your little mouse over what frequency that is, you don't have to guess anymore as to what frequency was feeding back so that you can dial that into your EQ and put a little notch there to make it less likely to feed back again. So having that as a part of a system where you're able to measure what's going on uh, is really handy. You can keep it in front of house right by you. You could uh, put it by, say, a, uh, a... this is a little bit more old school, but if you put it by a Q monitor wedge mm. so that if something starts to feed back in a monitor mix, you know, you can find that and, and pull it out. Those things can be really handy. Or even uh, the, you know, there's lots of stuff you can do. Let's say you've got a, a bunch of monitor wedges on stage and that's creating a bunch of stage noise. And you want to test out and see on your screen like how much stage noise is actually coming out to me 
as mm-hmm. like when the PA is off. So you, you know, mute the main mix at front of house and then you can see all the stuff that's coming to you from the stage and just the stage monitors. Yeah. That could be helpful to show somebody like, Hey, maybe it's time for us to invest in, in ear monitors, uh, because this is what I'm fighting against. And when you can show people data, uh, that can be helpful for helping them like visualize what the problem is as opposed to like, you know, like, well, I don't hear a problem with this. Uh, you know, those kinds of things could be helpful as well. So yeah, always yeah. good to have a measurement mic, even if you're not doing full on uh, FFT, you know, mm-hmm. transfers where you're gathering precise data. Dual channel transfer functions. Woo. Yes. Which are fantastic. But they in are. the heat of the moment, sometimes right. just having an RTA is like, oh, that frequency is feeding back. Let's, let's yeah, pull it out. Yeah. If, if anybody listening to this is, is um, frequently doing dual channel transfer function measurements, um, awesome. <laughs> if you, if you're doing that and you're also in station in a house of worship, I have to wonder how often your PA is changing. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully it's just kind of like tune the one time and you're good. There's absolutely like touring engineers will have that same kind of setup just to see how their mix is translating. Um, out from the PA and they'll make adjustments that way, but it's mostly to keep their eye on it. But talk we're this is flying way above necessary or even recommended <laughs> for most house of worship engineers. It's cool. We love nerdy stuff here. That being said, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about dual channel transfer functions um, and system doing don't. It's okay. We're good. RTAs are great. Let's stick with yeah. RTAs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hey, if you found this podcast helpful and want to help us reach more church sound techs and worship leaders, would you take a moment and rate and leave a review on this podcast wherever you listen? Just a couple minutes goes a long way to help us reach more church sound techs and eliminate more of the problems that are plaguing people just like you. Church Sound Podcast is part of the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. I'm Samantha Potter. And I'm James Attaway. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing service this week.